The Ringer Fantasy Football Show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the Ringer Podcast Network. Are you looking for a better way to bet on your favorite sports online? Well, with FanDuel Sportsbook, there are more ways to bet. If you can dream it, you can probably bet it through FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel offers spreads, parlays, money lines, over-unders, props, and in-game bets all in an easy-to-use app. And there are more ways to fund your account, too. Unlike other sportsbooks, FanDuel accepts most major payment options. So check out FanDuel Sportsbook app today to experience sports betting the way it always should have been. FanDuel, more ways to win. 21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. This is the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. I am Danny Heifetz here with Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. And Craig, can we set the mood with some music? Because it is a day for celebration. Well, that didn't take long. Lenny found a home. <laughs> yes. Leonard Fournette has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Craig, you were here with us when you were at the bottom. How does it feel now to be on top? Our man Lenny was basically evicted from like a shitty one-bed apartment and then found solace in a mansion in Bel Air. The Jaguars to Tom Brady is quite the come up, I will. I have to say. That's, that's like an all-timer. Gardner Minshew to Tom Brady. It didn't take long. And Kevin Clark in the Slack was like, are we all dumb? Like Fournette was probably underrated for a minute there, right? Like nobody wanted him. It was like $4 million. Like, and now it's like, well, you know, he was a top five draft pick and he's really talented. And now the Bucks just got like a really talented running back. My favorite part about this whole situation is last night, the people who are doubting or, you know, doubting Ronald Jones were taking victory laps because, you know, ostensibly Fournette is now the lead guy in that backfield. But then this morning, Arians was basically saying, no, it's still Rojo's job. So the Ronald Jones truthers are now taking another victory lap. I don't know what to think about this. Heifetz, can you take us through Bruce Arians, like, you know, (laughs) merry-go-round of statements in his coaching career? Bruce Arians seems to enjoy lying. And that's not really my words. That's kind of his, like... He likes messing with fantasy football people, I think. But you know what he also does is sometimes he pulls through. Like, when he was like, Chris Godwin will have 100 catches last year. And, like, he pretty much did. Yeah, well, Bruce says what's on his mind. But in 2014, he said outright they they Cardinals, when he was the head coach, they were not going to draft a quarterback. Then they did. And they asked him after. He says, quote, I lie pretty good. End quote. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then in 2015, he said in February of... 2015 that Andre Ellington was quote still the focal point of their offense spoiler alert that didn't happen they actually gave the ball to Chris Johnson and then last year again he says they wanted he said they wanted to build around Peyton Barber last year and then obviously that didn't happen so shout out to Grant Barfield for compiling all those but yeah I love that the larger point is when Arian says they signed Fournette and then they say Rojo's still the guy LaShawn McCoy will have a role Fournette obviously is going to have a role. What do you guys make of that? Because I just don't believe a lot of what Aaron's is necessarily going to say here. And my honest reaction was when he first signed, I, I bumped Fournette back up into, I believe, like the late 20s, the RB28 or something like that. This morning, I have to admit, the Aaron's quotes at least made me drop 
Fournette down a little bit more and put Rojo up a little bit higher. Um, I think ultimately I'm, I do have Fournette a little bit higher, but it makes me a little more interested in Ronald Jones just because, you know, if he is telling the truth, if Arians is telling the truth and Ronald Jones is the guy, that's who they want to be the guy. They want him to emerge in that backfield. I mean, it, it, it hurts both of their values when, when, yeah. When Fournette was on the Jaguars, he would have been higher and then Ronald Jones alone, he would have been higher. DK, I was wondering how easy is it at the running back position to get acclimated quickly compared to other positions? Well, I mean, I think compared to other positions, it's relatively easy. The one, the, the, there's a couple things that make it more difficult. The big thing is pass protection. You know, you have to learn that. Well, I, let me, let me rephrase that because you, you don't necessarily have to, to learn that. In some offenses, pass protection is sort of like, a lesser worry that you could just like have a running back do scat protection, which means they run out into the flats instead of actually try and block someone, just, you know, give the quarterback a target um, to dump the ball off to. Now the, in the Buccaneers offense, they actually pass protect. I, I didn't, I don't have the stat in front of me, but they protect, they pass protect with their running back a little bit more often than, than most teams. So I do think it is a factor. Basically, it's really difficult because, you know, you have to be on the same page with the quarterback. You have to be on the same page with the offensive line and knowing what your responsibility is based on where the blitz is coming from. So I'm a little fuzzy. Who's the quarterback for the Bucs again? <laughs> Tom Brady, who he's going to yell at you if you mess this up. I is think. he worth blocking for? I don't remember. You probably want to keep him on his feet. I would That's say. That's the thing. Yes. So is, is, is this up to Tom Brady or Bruce Arians? I mean, that's, yeah, that's what actually what I think what it boils down to is who Tom Brady wants on the field is, I think, probably going to play a big factor in this. If he trusts Ronald Jones as his pass protector, as his guy that he, he's going to, you know, trust to leak out and give him an option as a dump off guy, then maybe Ronald Jones plays the vast majority of the snaps. We don't really know. So that's why I put these guys closer um, in the rankings, just because I think there's still things that it, it could play out a little bit differently. Right now, in our half PPR rankings, which we just updated, we got Fournette at RB24. We've got Ronald Jones at RB35. And I think that's like, I think we're actually still a little bit above consensus on Fournette. Um, but, you know, that's kind of just where we are right now. Well, and what's tough about rankings like that is it's unlikely that either of those people, fin- it's unlikely that both finish right there. We're basically yeah. just saying oh, yeah, Ronald Jones yes. has a, a less likely chance of being the guy this year than Leonard Fournette. But whoever is the guy, they will most likely be better than we are currently ranking them. And the reality yeah. is if you yeah. could eavesdrop into Tampa Bay's facility and just try to figure out who they, they're probably sitting around like, we don't know. It's a great problem to have. Do you, That's, do you think you know Brady I mean? was they, consulted before Fournette was signed? Mm, that'd be an interesting question. Is it like LeBron where he just kind of picks who he wants? The way that Arians was talking about it is... He didn't. He didn't seem like he was really that involved in this acquisition. It sounded like he he was saying it was a good job by the front office and kind of bringing him in, getting that deal done, um, you know. And he was very adamant and almost defensive, saying like Ronald Jones is our guy. He's earned mm. it. Blah blah blah. So I don't know. It's going to be very. It's it's difficult to predict. If you think that Fournette is better, then I think you have Fournette ranked higher. I think we all think he's a better overall player, but you know. I think we're all kind of, I'm, I'm certainly a Ronald Jones truther. And this was like one of those moments. I was like, God damn it. Okay. Let's get to some other training camp news update on the Alvin Kamara situation. Uh, apparently Kamara and Sean Payton are fine and they're getting over it. <laughs> it, it seems that Kamara is going to play. Yeah. And the other thing actually to, to mention about the Kamara situation is, you know, a lot of people are saying like 
the trade stuff was burying the lead. He, he got like, it was reported that he got an injection uh, in his back. Yeah. I which mean, is, I was more worried about him having a back <laughs> injection than him not getting signed in time. I know that was like, Oh God, that back injuries with running backs are never a good thing, but it was well, notable. Funny, to say, I, I texted my brother, uh, his girlfriend works in medicine. And I was uh-huh. like, Oh, Alvin Kamara got an epidural shot in his back. And my brother texted back, like my girlfriend said, those are for pregnant women. And I was like, yeah, that's yeah. weird. Like, why did he do that? And she's like, why would he do that? And then, <laughs> yeah, DK, you keep going, but so, it's kind of scary. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that was kind of, a lot of people were like, uh, what is, what was, what's that again? What was that last thing you said? Um, but yeah, uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted the other day that the shot that Camaro received in his back was just for SI joint inflammation and the shot calmed it down, not considered a big deal. Um, As if that means anything to me. Well, yeah, and that's what I was going to follow up with. Dr. Oh, Gene Bramble. SI joint, not a big deal. I know yeah, exactly oh, it was just the is. SI joint. If it was the TG joint. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. Okay, so here, Dr. Dr. Gene Bramble from Football Guys, great guy, very knowledgeable, knows his fantasy football, also a doctor, said there is a <laughs> yeah, huge... Yeah, he buried the lead there. I would have led with that. <laughs> Anyhow, he, he said there's a huge difference between there's a huge difference between the epidural spinal injection and sacroiliac sacroiliac joint in, injection. If this report is accurate, it's much, much, much better for Camara's short and long-term outlook. So three muches um, from the doctor. And I think, yeah, that, that's kind of like actually the bigger story here. Danny, you're the guy who con- contextualizes numbers for us. Is three muches good? That's a Or lot. is that like they're trying to overcompensate? No, it's good. Okay, good. It's definitely all right, so good. So Camaro's probably all right. Other news from this weekend, not this week, Thursday. The Seahawks have re-signed Josh Gordon. Again, he is he applied for reinstatement. He is still sus- suspended indefinitely. So there's zero guarantee he can play. He's 29 as of years Thursday. old. Yeah. As of Thursday. Maybe something's changed. I'm not adding him in any leagues. No. I, I are you DK? You're the Seahawks. No. I mean, I think it's a good depth signing for the Seahawks and it gives them another nice, you know, kind of like ancillary weapon in their offense, but I, I don't think he's going to be a go-to guy. I think it's going to be DK Metcalf and Ty Lock in this offense. Um, the Seahawks also signed Paul Richardson and, and Philip Dorsett over the offseason, so those guys might have to compete for a roster spot at the end of the day. So we don't actually know for sure you know, if he's going to be in this offense. But I think Gordon is going to be... A, I, I don't want to like say this too surely, but I think what's going to happen is Gordon's just going to be a role player in this offense. And that's good for the Seahawks, but I don't think he's going to be a fantasy factor, at least you know, not early on in the season. I agree. Other news. If you watch hard knocks this week, you know, Mike Williams, he hurt his shoulder. He's expected to miss two to four weeks with a shoulder injury, but he's also kind of just really a good representation of our episode today of looking at like the Steven Glansbergs, the guy that none of us have (laughs) talked about all year. Yeah. Do you think people know like how popular, how ubiquitous is the term Steven Glansberg? I think it's very niche. Have yeah. we explained okay. this yet? It's very specific. I don't know if we've ever explained. I mean, I've played the clips in previous episodes, but it's from the movie Superbad. And there's a kid who sits alone at lunch every day. And they just br- it's a brief aside in the movie where he goes, oh, I'm just going to sit alone like I'm fucking Steven Glansberg. And it just shows <laughs> a kid like eating a pudding cup alone. So it's just the guys no one's talking about, the lonely guys in the fantasy community. All right, let's stop this, man. Let's, let's go get some dessert. No, I can't. I got to go meet my counselor. I'm picking up my classes for next year. What, so I gotta sit here and eat dessert alone like I'm fucking Steven Glansberg? I get, yeah, I mean, what do you want me to do? I don't know. No, then, it's fine. It's, relax, man, I'll see you later. It's fine, I'll be fine. And it's in the middle of one of the all-time movie scenes in the middle yes. of Super Bad. <laughs> but I, lo- anyway. I love the fact that Craig picked that line out. It's the best. 
um, possessed by some kind of dick devil. So we, we, I think we all kind of moved him down after this. And we, none of us were super high on him before, but Mike Williams, right now we got him at the wide receiver 48, just in front of uh, Miko Hardman, Debo Samuel, CD Lamb, kind of that range. Well, in the Hard Knocks episode, it affirmed what I think about Mike Williams, which is the receivers coach was like, Mike Williams, amazing 50-50 ball guy. And I'm like, Tyra Taylor doesn't throw 50-50 balls, does he? And, well, and he and he and no one was going deep in the episode. They're like, someone's got to hit Mike Williams, and he was just like open, and no one was throwing it to him. If you do the spectrum of quarterbacks who are willing to throw 50-50 balls, Philip Rivers is tier one, and Tyrod Taylor is tier last. Other news: Mohamed Sanu is cut by the New England Patriots. I think <sighs> this is this is more interesting in real life than it is in fantasy. Fantasy, it's I mean, he was intriguing, but obviously, you don't want Mohamed Sanu anymore. It's more interesting that the Patriots traded a second rounder for Mohamed Sadu. Yeah. He was sprained his ankle, came back, was supposed to be at 100%, and they caught him. Like, that is amazing that punt Patriots punted a second rounder. Well, and just like, I think it's interesting because it's like, if you want any part of this Patriots offense now that Cam Newton is the starter and there's a little bit of buzz going on, like, literally, it's Julian Edelman and then that's it. Like, there's Nikhil Harry, Demir Bird, Gunner. Well, Nikhil Harry has not been impressive. I know. I, but someone has literally got to catch the passes. I think I think Harry's been getting a little bit more buzz as camp's gone on. I hope so. I think he's a worthy dart throw, or yeah. it's that what's their tight end's name? I always forget his name. Devin Asiasi. There's two rookies and Ryan Izzo who might be worse than a rookie. It's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst group because Matt Lacoste opted out. So it's, it's it's at least one of the two or three worst tight end groups in the entire NFL. Why aren't they the signing? Why aren't they trading for like OJ Howard? I mean, they literally traded Gronk to the Bucks. They could have just done that straight up. I know, I <laughs> so that would have been a good idea. Yeah. Maybe they forgot. I don't know. Uh, I think I think Bill just has too much on his plate, to be honest. I think Belichick's just kind of like sitting around like whatever. All right. Speaking of the Patriots, though, Damian Harris, my guy, has hurt his hand. This is really embarrassing, but I'm going to admit. I had a dream last night that I was scrolling Twitter and James White was traded. That is embarrassing. <laughs> and then I woke up. And I realized that Damien Harris had a hand injury. So, so it looks like really your sad. lucid dreaming has not been working. The lucid dream is not going well. And to be 100% honest, what's really disturbing is I've started having dreams where I'm scrolling my social media and my brain is like That's like a modern nightmare. Timelines. It's yeah. like a true modern nightmare. I, 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 it's clearly corrupted my brain. So you think it's time <laughs> to take a break? <laughs> take a break on Twitter. And uh, take a break in the episode? The Ringer Fantasy Football Show is brought to you by FanDuel. We're teaming up with FanDuel again this season, but we got something new this time around. All season long, you can play the free Ringer Mega Contest on FanDuel. Free Ringer Mega Contest. Wow, what a four word. I love those four words. Here's how it works. Just pick five NFL games against the spread, including one double down pick. Get one point for every correct pick, and you get two points if you hit your double down pick. FanDuel will add up your score every week. And if you just finish in the top 100 on the season-long leaderboard to make the playoffs, and you can compete for a share of $25,000, it is that simple. Who do you guys like in week one? Who, okay, who you got in New Orleans, Tampa Bay? That's a good one. At New Orleans. Especially early, I definitely think that I'm betting against every new coach and new staff. Mm. Bill Parcells had a quote this week, or last week, I don't remember that. I mean, new, all the new coaches basically have had 14 padded practices. And he's like, I, Bill Parcells is like, I used to do that in 10 days. I mean, Bill's Jets and Bill's are home. Give me the Bills, whatever the spread is. I think the best bet here actually this week, I think the Steelers over the Giants. Mm. I would be yeah. shocked if the Giants beat the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Like, like it would be stunning in every, I don't know who's going to block like the Steelers' best three linemen. So there you go. Throw them in your Fandle lineup. 
That is the Ringer Mega Contest on FanDuel. You can play the Ringer Mega Contest for free every week, only on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Mega Contest to make your picks today. That is FanDuel.com slash Mega Contest. And then just want to shout out RingerFantasyFootballGmail.com. You can email us if you have any questions. Fun fact this week is from Matt Diggin. Did you guys know that Cleopatra was born closer to the moon landing than the building of the Great Pyramids of Giza? No. That is that that's such a mind-blowing thing. The the pyramids are incredibly old. Human civilization is basically half ancient Egypt and half everything else. <laughs> that's so wild. Cleopatra was born 69 BC. Wow. That's closer to the moon landing than the pyramids. Anyway, pyramids super old. Jeez. Okay. That is that's that is actually blowing my mind. Some would say the pyramids are the first piece of pop culture and the most important piece of pop culture is super bad. So <laughs> Steven without Glansberg. further ado, the Stephen Glansberg. <laughs> From the pyramids to super bad. No one's ever <laughs> yeah. made that transition. <laughs> I am the first and the Good only job, in I human think. history. Wow. But no, really, Stephen Glansberg's, these are the guys that have been sitting alone at the lunch table and we didn't invite them to lunch. These are the guys that somehow we go through a whole fantasy football season. We, we write about this. We podcast about it. And yet we just haven't really talked about what we think about these guys. Some of these guys, I actually don't know how you two feel. We yeah. have actually gotten this far and not really had a conversation with some of these. Well, dudes. you know, it's like we don't even know if Stephen Glansberg could be a good guy. We don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe we got to really talk. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Give people a chance. That's the thing. little little peek behind the curtain. We were legitimately actually just at, talking to each other. We're like, what do we want to do for this episode? And then we decided, like, who have we not talked about? Wait, let's just make that the episode, <laughs> you know? And so anyways, this is these are the guys, like Danny said, that we just haven't really talked about this that much over the last couple of months. So mm -hmm. let's get into it. I just want to start with a couple quarterbacks. Carson Wentz on the Eagles. I don't know mm. if we've said his name three times in the last two months. <laughs> I know, right? But I, it's just worth summarizing a little bit. I actually don't know how you guys feel about Carson Wentz. I think it's simple. It's This is all just, it's happening again with the Eagles. It's crazy. They had the most injured season I can remember in recent memory last year. And it's all happening again. Carson Wentz already has a lower body injury. He's day-to-day. The Eagles have already lost Brandon Brooks, who's their all-pro guard for the season. Andre Dillard, the left tackle for the season. Jalen Rager has an injury. He's out for a couple weeks. Alshon, Alshon Jeffries hurt. hurt again. L Lane Johnson has a lower body injury. And I then mean, Miles, Miles Sanders, Sanders has got a hamstring injury. <laughs> so it's Lord. not just that they're hurt. And it's not just the same people are hurt. It's also the people they brought in to replace the people who get hurt are also hurt too. Like they literally <laughs> drafted Andre Dillard to be a left tackle to replace Jason Peters two years ago. And now he's hurt and they have to get Jason Peters to replace Dillard, who he wasn't even on, on the team. This is crazy. And it's one thing to have Carson Wentz be injury prone. It's another for him to be hurt and everyone hurt around him again. So I don't really want Carson Wentz this year. Here's the thing though. He finished as the QB nine last year, throwing to dudes that were on the street. He had 4,000 yards last year with a bunch of just random guys. And he like, didn't miss a game. And so I'm actually, we're, I think, you know, as a, as a podcast, we're pretty high on him. We got him as our QB 10. I'm pretty bullish on him. I was definitely a little more bullish on him like two weeks ago, but I'm sticking with him. I think, I think Rager will be back sooner than later. I think having Deshaun Jackson back is going to be huge for them. Um, that have, was the first team in NFL history or, Carson Wentz was the first quarterback in NFL history to have 4,000 yards in a year when none of his wide receivers had 500 yards or something. Yeah. That's yeah. never happened before. The Ertz was the leading one, and Goddard was number two. And then yeah. everyone else was hurt. I don't exactly think Carson Wentz's ceiling is incredibly high this year. I think he's kind of more of a higher floor play if he's healthy. That's fair. But QB1? Yeah, yeah, low end QB1. I just don't think there's enough like targets there for him to really like assert himself as like the number one I'm just not excited about him. 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'd rather have Jared Goff much later. I, it's just he's already hurt. That's the right, problem. Right. It's a guy who's in I mean, we, we don't love the term injury prone, but this is now four years in a row. This is ridiculous. Another person I wanted to mention, another Steven Glansberg that's just been sitting alone. It's Drew Brees. We actually have not really talked about Drew Brees for fantasy this year. <laughs> Unexpected Steven Glansberg. Brees going into last year kind of had a rep of like pretty amazing. And then Thanksgiving rolls around and he just kind of loses it because Brady is so old at 43. We kind of forget that Brees is also in his 40s and Brees is doing things that basically only Tom Brady has done at his age. But when Brees returned from his thumb injury last year, he was the fifth best fantasy quarterback for the second half of the season. He was the eighth best in points per game throughout the whole season. I think, and he's on fantasy pros, he's rated as the eighth quarterback taken right now in drafts. I think the thing about Breeze, why we haven't talked about him, is he's not polarizing and he's accurately ranked. I think it's just correct. It's a good take. The ranking's right. What do you yeah. think, DK? <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, we said it. Like, it's just, it's Breeze. I was actually looking at his rankings today because we were, you know, updating our rankings and I was just like, have I underanalyzed where we're putting Breeze? And then I looked at him and I'm like, Actually, yeah, this just makes perfect sense. In fact, he might be a little bit low. We've got him at, uh, let's see here, we have him as the QB11. It's probably a little bit low, <laughs> honestly. And so I do fear for some reason, there's just this inherent fear in me when I draft is that if a quarterback's really old, it just kind of freaks me out. Is that because the quarterback or you're afraid of dying? <laughs> no, it's not about my mortality. It's about the frailty. I, I'm, I just think that, oh, you know. Frailty. Brady's 43, Goff's 26. And I'm like, that actually makes a difference in my brain. Does it not to you guys? <laughs> Where it's like, he could take one hit and he's like, you know, disintegrates. The body just doesn't recover like it used to. That, and I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one, but I, that affects me when I think about stuff. I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. And that's why he's ranked as a... Well, let's be honest. If Breeze was 30 right now, if he could reverse age to age 30, he'd probably be higher on all of our lists, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's not exactly a take. That's yeah. Okay. For ten years I, I, younger. I, at first, it, you guys yeah. were like, I don't know, man. Like, you're. I think ages. it's simpler than that. It's that the the Saints were the best passing team in the NFL for a long time, in part because that's what they wanted to do, in part because they had the worst defense. And now, now the Saints have one yeah. of the best defenses and a great running game. They can do yeah. whatever they want. They can pass yeah. with anyone. They can run with anyone. And they have good pass defense and they have good run defense. So they they destroy people and then they don't really need to pass as much. So I think that really it's just they're going to less shootouts. I actually think the Saints. I actually think they're going to win the Super Bowl. And I think they have one of the three, four best defense and offensive lines in the whole in the whole league. I got them going to the Super Bowl, dude. It's crazy. Breeze has five five thousand yard seasons. He has like five of the eight total yeah. NFL seasons that are five thousand. I mean, he hasn't done it in for a few years, clearly, since like like we talked about, the offense has changed. But well, the Saints as a team are fascinating because they're basically one of the best teams in NFL history to not win a Super Bowl. Like this three, four year window core of the Saints. If they don't win the Super Bowl this year, I mean, the crazy endings they've had where they had the Minneapolis miracle when they might have been the best team three years ago, the NFC championship game where they almost made the Super Bowl two years ago and last year they screwed up. But they're a pretty amazing team to have not done anything yet. I don't think it works out when you know what's your final year because Breeze is retiring after this year, correct? Ah, oh, who knows? He probably doesn't know, but it's it, it, it's it's more likely than it has been in the past. Because I think that that makes it way harder. When you know this is the last year, I think you're more likely to to fall short. And that's why we don't think they'll trade Kamara. And Didn't you watch The Last Dance? I think you know who watched The Last Dance? Michael Thomas. Because Michael different. Thomas has taken on Michael Jordan's alter ego ever. You look at Michael Thomas's Twitter and you're like, is this yeah. someone who's watched The Last Dance? Let me tell you something. I mean, I guess we're not really counting like the wizard years, but yeah. 
Oh, and also they had just come off winning two in a row. I don't know. It's a bit if there's a Michael Jordan Wizards Look, thing, it's definitely Tom Brady on the Buccaneers. Let's be honest Craig, here. it's not different at all. Back off. <laughs> okay. Anyway, okay. let's move Last on. one real quick. Another Stephen Glansberg. This one, personality-wise, Stephen Glansberg. Russell Wilson on the Seahawks. Mr. Unlimited. Oh, God. We have only talked about Russ in the context of his receivers, but we haven't really talked about Russ as a somewhere between three and top five quarterback this year for fantasy. I just yep. wanted, DK, you're the Seahawks fan. I'm going to see this to you. I just wanted to say that Russell Wilson's quarterback finish in fantasy since he came into the league is ninth, eighth, third, third, eleventh, first, ninth, and third. DK, is is Pete Carroll going to put a limit on Mr. Unlimited this year? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. I mean Pete to Carroll's an extent, the governor. To an extent. <laughs> I don't think, you know, he's he's I think there is something to the idea and and Wilson's been lobbying for this like all off season st- saying stuff in the press talking about getting stars talking about opening it up like talking about uh you know how the chiefs let mahomes do his thing and all that stuff so he's been he's been definitely alluding to it and the seahawks have been staunchly sort of saying oh no, we're going to keep doing what we're doing you know Pete Carroll and I think Shotty both Schottenheimer both came out in the press last year or last week or two <laughs> weeks ago and were like you know we're going to run the ball they were kind of like saying it like Tongue they were being sarcastic. Yeah, exactly. They were being sarcastic. Like, no, we're going to run the ball. Um, but no, I kind of have the theory that they're going to have to pass a little bit more. They don't have any pass rush right now. That's kind of the problem. And so if their defense struggles, then they're going to get into more of these games where they have to like kind of unleash him earlier in the game. Last year was like, wait until the fourth quarter before we do anything. Now, if they get behind early, maybe that'll change. But uh, the bottom line is, man, he's he's the most efficient passer in terms of fantasy, like he's ridiculously efficient. Like points per drop back, it's always been like top three pretty much every year in his career, except for 2016 when he was hurt. So I don't really expect anything different this year. I mean, he's just going to be really efficient. If they pass more, he has a chance to be the QB one, honestly. Would so, you take Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray? They're one literally right next to each other. I've got them. So I got I got Murray a little bit higher. One one spot higher. Murray has more running upside. So maybe that's kind of like what I was thinking, but they're right there. They're really close. All right. Let's get to some Steven Glansberg tight ends. <laughs> <laughs> DK, do you have a Steven Glansberg tight end for us? You know what I just thought of is, is Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen wrote this movie when they're like 15 years old. I wonder if Steven Glansberg is a real person. I wonder oh, if Steven Glansberg is out there. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he's not like, you know, he, he doesn't have those two guys on his people to kill list, you know? He's not well, it's not like, just that. You know what? <laughs> Craig just makes fun of people who don't have friends because Craig thinks making friends is all easy. That's like a theme that's popped up now. Yeah. So anybody who doesn't have friends, I don't like you. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't want to deal with you. Only people who are popular. Oh my gosh. Anyway, we're getting off track. We're getting off topic. What are we talking about here? No fan? Yeah. That's your know, guy, right, DK? Guy we yeah. haven't talked about this year. We haven't talked about no fans enough. We haven't talked about no fan enough. He's he's his hype has been building a little bit. Um He's he is the perfect example of the type of tight end that could have a huge breakout year. If you look at kind of like so actually I saw this tweet from Matthew Barry. If you look at George Kittle's rookie year, he had 43 catches, 515 yards, two touchdowns on 359 routes. Noah Fant's rookie year, 40 catches, 562 yards, three touchdowns, 349 routes. So it's almost identical. And they're very similar from a uh, athleticism point of view. Fant ran like a four five. He's super athletic, good after the catch. There's so many good indications that he's going to be really, really good. I saw this stat from uh, Ben Cummins on Twitter. Noah Fant 
ranks 19th in NFL history in receiving yards and yards per reception for rookie touchdown or for rookie tight ends. He had more receiving yards as a rookie than Gronk, Kittle, and Mark Andrews. So, anyways, it, you know that's not necessarily going to say that he's going to have this massive thousand-yard season or whatever. But I think it definitely gives him it. It, it makes me confident that he is one of a few guys that's going to really break out this year. So I'm super excited about Fant. I think the thing with Noah Fant as well is that rookie is such a it's such a hard thing to contribute as a rookie as a rookie tight end in particular, yeah. and that a lot of second year tight ends end up being the breakouts. Like you mentioned, Mark Andrews, those are the kind of guys that break out in their second year. It's really rare to do it in their first year, yep. but Fant fits the exact mold of the kind of guy. So, and he might see a decent amount of targets this year. I mean, he just told the Denver post that he's going to be utilizing the slot in line. He'll, he'll line up outside because one of the receivers, the Broncos drafted Casey Hamler. He might go to IR or he might, go on the pup or something like that. He might miss like the first half of the season with his hamstring injury. Mm -hmm. So there's a decent chance that Fant, who's going to be battling with a rookie Jerry Judy and then Cortland Sutton, could see a, a solid share of the targets from, from Drew Locke. That's a good that's a good thing that I want to just piggyback on because you know you're talking about KJ Hamler. He might go on IR. This year, it, remember because the IR rules are different, it's a COVID affected season. If you go on the preseason IR, you can come off it in three weeks. That's just something to remember, like a big picture, something to remember going forward. Hmm. Well, other people to remember going forward. These are the Steven Glansbergs. Do you have, is there any other tight ends you think we have not talked about enough this year, DK? I am getting excited about Eric Ebron's potential. This is a what? great one. This is a really good one. Actually. You hate Eric Ebron. That's, uh, that's not true. Why do you think I hate no, him? No, you hate him. Isn't that what your tattoo says on your back? <laughs> I hate Eric Ebron. <laughs> So he's, he's shaping up, up right now. He's shaping up to be another one of my favorite sleepers. Him and Fant, honestly, have a lot of potential this year. Uh, Mark Caboli from the Athletic Steelers beat reporter. Uh, he's been like all over Ebron the last few weeks. And uh, in a recent article, he said, I keep harping on Ebron, but blame him, not me. Once again, it was more catches, more splash plays, and more running away from defenders. I don't know, man. He he's like really flashed in practice. He's really flashed in training camp. He's got really good athleticism. He's also the and, biggest target on the team. I mean, he he could be a real red zone threat for Ben. Yeah, like we are so bullish as a as a podcast. I think all of us are really bullish on the Steelers offense overall. Getting Big Ben back in there, I think we all think they could get back up to be like a top five, top three offense in terms of yards and points. And Ebron is going to be a big part of it. It it really feels like he's going to be a big part of it, unless something goes terribly wrong. Um, and he and and for, and don't forget. I mean, obviously, I don't know if he's going to have 13 touchdowns or whatever he had in 2018, but he is one year removed from finishing as the tight end four. So this is not like unheard of for him. And I want to give one more fun fact that I, that I saw today, and I actually ended up apparently I stole this from Pat Thorman because he tweeted almost exactly the same thing like three months ago. But um, Eric Ebron is four and a half. I'm going to say four and a half months older than Hayden Hurst. He's been in wow. the league for four years more, four four long, four more years than Hayden Hurst. They're they're like five months apart. That's wow. that's even better than the Keenan Allen is only one year older than Michael Thomas. Yeah, that blew my mind. Eric Ebron's twenty seven. He's twenty seven years old. Keenan looks older because he's bald and has a big beard. That's why people think he's older. I think. <laughs> yeah, he looks wise. But he's he also disappointed two different fan bases. So that that'll happen. <laughs> Who Keenan Allen? Oh, Eric Ebron. Oh, Ebron. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, Allen. Okay. Yeah, Keenan. Yeah, well, he's also been in the league much longer than Michael Thomas. You know why? You know why I think that Ebron is so 
underrated this year. There was, I, I don't know exactly, I don't remember who it was. It might've been uh, Chris Ballard, but someone, someone asked Chris Ballard, who was the GM of the, who is the GM of the Colts. It might've been the coach. I can't remember, but they asked him, are they, are, are we bring? are you guys bringing back Ebron this year? And he was just like, no, we're not doing that. Well, no, that's and everyone was like, oh, like that was well, like there the was worst a real burn. big disagreement there because Ebron had surgery on both ankles and basically the Colts and Ebron had like a disagreement about what. Oh, did they not want him season. to get they didn't want him to miss time or something like that? Yeah, it was there was like a real disagreement over his play and stuff. And that that makes sense that, that if he's now healthy now after surgery on both ankles that, you know, it, if he's healthy, then wouldn't have to do with his Colts tenure. Yeah, but that didn't end super well. All right. Any other tight ends you guys want to talk about? The only other guy I think is semi-interesting that we have not talked about is Zach Ertz, who's like a top five tight end every year, and we've pretty much said his name once <laughs> during this entire preseason. He's the Russell Wilson of tight ends. He totally is, and it's he's just he's not. In that his wife is more interesting than he is. Hey, you want to know something about Zach Ertz? Went to Monta Vista High School, played basketball against my brother. <laughs> Did he dunk on your brother? <laughs> that I don't know. What is, with I, the, what is with the holbacks and connections to tight ends? I don't know. He's a, Zach Ertz is a Bay Area guy. He went to Monta Vista in Danville, which is right next to where I grew up. What? Um, yeah. Wait, uh, he he played against your brother. or He dunked on your brother. He played. I don't know. I mean, I probably he dunked went to the on games. Craig's brother, <laughs> and then stared him down. I think they played. Eh, they're similar in height, but Zach Ertz is just a huge dude. Does anyway. your brother? Does your brother listen to this podcast? No. Screw <laughs> you, Scott. All His right. brother has friends he's hanging out with instead of listening to podcasts. <laughs> that's that's what's going on there. Anyway, so, Zach Ertz. So Ertz is like I think the only receiver in the last five years to have like seventy five catches and eight hundred yards every single year. But as we said, everybody on the Eagles is hurt, kind of except Zach Ertz again this year. Mm. He's in contract negotiations right now with the front office. And then Ian Rappaport just reported on Thursday that. Talks have come to an abrupt halt and that the Eagles are now offering him less money than they offered him, less guaranteed money than they did back in November, which is kind of alarming. And there's, you know, it's like, are they planning for the future and just saying, hey, we have Dallas Goddard. Like, maybe we don't need to give Zach Ertz a long-term deal. I think that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. And it it makes me think that Dallas Goddard is getting more and more, like, he's Dallas Goddard is a fantastic dynasty pick for tight end, in my opinion. And also, I think he's a decent mm-hmm. pick this year, even. He has Zach Ertz upside, but last year he was still the, 12th best scoring tight end with Zach Ertz playing. I mean, he's like a weird pick where he's safe either way you go. He, like if you draft him with Zach Ertz healthy, he's safe. And without, he's even more safe. I, I kind of like Dallas Goddard this year. He's a really good player. He's, he's legitimately Goddard. Goddard. Well, I mean, both of them are, but you know, Goddard is, he's big, he's fast. He has incredible body control. He made someone really like, outstanding catches last year. And he was hurt. He hurt his calf at the start of last year and it lingered the whole season. I don't know. I, I really think he's a decent pick. Yeah, I love Goddard. I have him in one league, and I, but I just get worried because it's he's he is exactly like Chris Godwin. Maybe this is the year he actually breaks out, but I feel like he has hype every preseason. And then it's just kind of like, oh, no, he's still behind Ertz. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. But I, I do, I, really good player. And if Ertz goes down, he's, you know, top three guy potentially. So who's the Steven Glansberg? Is it Goddard or is it Zach Ertz? They're twin brothers who are Glansbergs. The Winklevosses of Superbad. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe they can get some Bitcoin. All right. Before we keep rolling here, let's talk about Roman. If you've been dealing with acne, redness, dark spots, or wrinkles, finding treatment that works can be complicated. You need skincare that actually performs, but getting started can be overwhelming. Thankfully, there's a solution. Roman makes it convenient to get customized prescription skincare that really performs. 
Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online consultation, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if appropriate, a doctor will prescribe a custom blended treatment based on your skin type and priorities. You'll receive your custom skincare treatment with free two-day shipping, and you'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor if you need to make a change to your treatment or have any questions. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So go to GetRoman.com slash RingerFantasy for a free online visit and start your new skincare routine today. That is GetRoman.com slash RingerFantasy. Eligibility requirements and additional terms apply. All right. A couple more Stephen Glansbergs. Well, not a couple. It's like it's more than two. It's like six. (laughs) I don't know. Half dozen roundabouts. I can't do math. Baker's dozen. Yeah. People we've not talked about or not talked about enough on this pod that we wanted to fix that with. First up, I, I just think that Nick Chubb is just the strangest fantasy second rounder I can like ever remember. He's and tough. It's basically the whole thing with Nick Chubb comes down to this. He was incredible in 2018 and he was really good the first half of last year. The second half of last year, Kareem Hunt gets off his suspension and they're basically the same in fantasy points mm-hmm. in like PPR leagues. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, well, you could take Nick Chubb, but what about Kareem Hunt? Well, the coaching staff is, was fired. It's a different coaching staff. We have no idea what to do with the breakdown will being carries. We haven't gotten any hints through offseason stuff or training camp. So we just have to guess. The weird part is that if Kareem Hunt was not on this team, where would you guys draft Nick Chubb? Because I would probably have him fifth or sixth. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. I think so too. He would be and up yet there. Nick Chubb is going in the middle of the teens in a lot of drafts. Yeah, but that's exactly why. Like, why is that crazy to you? Kareem Hunt is the best backup, if you can even call him that, in the league. Yeah. Maybe I've just been staring at rankings for too long, but the thing I keep thinking is if I just told you one of these guys in, in the, the between 10 and 20 will be the number one back this year, the most likely person to me is Nick Chubb because it's just, oh yeah, we overthought Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb's great. And also, Case's skill level is unknown. It's like he's number one in PFF's elusive rating, like all the advanced metrics for running backs. He's like top two. Do you guys, are you guys not concerned at all about Nick Chubb being underrated? Maybe he should at least be in the Derrick Henry tier? I'm kind of not. No. I, I, it's all because of Kareem Hunt. I think the reason we haven't talked about him, at least for, from my perspective, is that he feels like he's in kind of the right spot. Right now we've got him in half PPR, RB13, you know, and he's just kind of like outside that top tier of guys. He's outside the RB1s. It is worrisome to me that Hunt is there. Hunt, like Craig said it perfectly, Hunt is the best backup running back in the NFL. Yeah, he's better than probably 10 or 15 starting running backs. Yes. <laughs> right. So, so it's know. like with, with a new coaching staff, why are they just going to suddenly walk in and be like, you know what we're going to do? Not feature one of our two amazing running backs who are both top 15 backs in the league. Like, yeah, I, the new coaching staff argument actually doesn't do anything for me. Okay. So that's why we didn't talk about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we Jeez. got to the bottom of that. Shot yeah. down. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Steven Glansberg. Someone we haven't talked about enough. It's just Josh Jacobs and Henry Ruggs on the Raiders. Yeah, I just is Josh Jacobs just discount Derrick Henry and discount Nick Chubb? How many touches do you think he can get, DK? I think that's why he is where he is. He's a little bit lower than, you know, I think we probably have him higher than consensus. We got him RB9, but people are so worried about his ability to be a factor in the passing game. Like the Raiders have added pass catchers and pass catchers and pass catchers. And, you know, he have, we haven't seen him be involved in the passing game. He wants to catch 60 balls, but... I don't know. It just kind of depends on, do you believe that's going to happen? I think we are kind of bullish on him, but there's a lot of people in the fantasy community that are just like, you know, they're going to be playing from behind a lot. He's not going to have a big part of that, that part of the offense. I don't know. I think he's a two and a half down back. I think if you like Derrick Henry, 
you should draft Josh Jacobs because you'll get him around later. And it's <laughs> kind of the same thing. The off brand, the Kirkland brand. He's a he's a good he's a damn good player. He led the NFL in in forced missed tackles last year, Josh Jacobs. He was number two in PFF's elusive rating. I well, mean, he's he also, is like he's also in the David Johnson bucket of analytics. John Gruden just needs to be right. Yeah, it was like the you know he's a first round pick that John Gruden <laughs> made, and John Gruden's in control. And it's like if, if Josh Jacobs can't play third down, and you took him in the first down, what the? If you draft a two down running back in the first round, you messed up. Yeah, that's why the Jaguars screwed up with Fournette. Speaking of Raiders first round picks, I think Henry Ruggs is like a, another rookie that's not really going to being discussed this year. And in the the Raiders depth chart at receiver is thin and inexperienced, man. I mean, Tyrell Williams is out. He's on IR now. So their starting two receivers are Henry Ruggs and rookie Brian Edwards with Hunter Renfro in their slot. Yeah. I mean, there is a real chance that Henry Ruggs, who's going as the wide receiver 49 right now in ADP, is going to drastically cremate his ADP. Oh, <laughs> we're bringing we're it back. Cremate that. I'm so uncomfortable with that. You know what? Oh I think, you know God. why I think I, that rugs is so low is because I think everyone's like, Oh, Derek Carr can't throw deep. He's a check down artist. He's a check down artist. It's a chicken and the egg question. Ian Harditz just had a PFF article about how that's, that's bullshit. And how, yeah, when he was in college, Henry Ruggs was one of the, when, when, Tua threw to him. He was like the highest rated passer in the league on intermediate and short passes. And Ruggs is extremely yeah. capable of catching those short passes and exploding like like those Odell slants style, you know? That was going to be my point. But yes, you made it for me. Um, he's actually very good after the catch. He's very good on those short and intermediate passes. So I think he could surprise. Heifetz, are we missing anything here with Ruggs? Why is he 49th in wide receivers? I think it, you guys hit it. It's there's a weird thing where when someone's fast, we just think they can only catch deep passes. Yeah. Like why is Emmanuel Sanders nine spots ahead of him? Yeah, it's like you look at Tyreek Hill. One of the best things Tyreek Hill does is catches a bubble screen. But the the other thing is, I also think that it's as simple as we just don't know. We've can Derek Carr throw deep? We haven't seen it. And I think that that's part of really just everyone soured on Derek Carr. And also the Raiders are boring, which is crazy because John Gruden's the most interesting coach. The Raiders are a boring team. I don't think they occupy a large share of people's minds, to be totally honest. So I like rugs. And then also you throw in, there's a lot of hype for Brian Edwards. who They took in the third round and a lot of people think might be actually be a better receiver. He South Carolina, right, DK? Yeah, I love Brian Edwards. He's awesome. He He's fair to call him more of a possession receiver. But again, it kind of implies yeah, yeah. That, that speed guys can't do that kind of stuff. But I think all that, but yeah, Ruggs is an amazing, amazing pick. I, I think he's a great late round. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely look. I, I'm way more interested in him over the last like two months or, or over the last like month. I've been getting really interested in, in Ruggs late. I don't have many rules, but when someone caught a quarter of their catches in college for touchdowns, I might want to draft them in fantasy. Another receiver who. This is a dereliction of duty on our part. We have not really discussed DJ Moore in the Carolina I Panthers. Think we, I don't know if we've honestly mentioned DJ Moore. I think we mentioned him very early on in like July, and then we haven't talked about him since. So it's we're because sorry he's to on DJ the Moore. Panthers. The Panthers are boring unless... No, that, that's uh, it. Unless they're not. Well, well, I think the Panthers are boring. I think not a lot of people have watched a lot of Panthers games. Like, do you think casual fan? I think casual fans could tell you about what AJ Brown literally looks like as a football player in the field, and like, could imagine him catching a pass. I don't think a lot of people can do that with DJ Moore. <laughs> DJ Moore is the best candidate in the entire league to go from relatively unknown to top five receiver. Why? In mm -hmm. the next two years, if not this year, for a couple of reasons. One, just the Panthers' offense is being coordinated by Joe Brady, who led the LSU offense last year and was with the Saints before that could be a big come up there and just their defense sucks their defense is probably the worst in the league 
They literally used all eight or seven of their draft picks on defenders this year, which I believe has never happened. Yeah, that was, ra- <laughs> that was that, Like That just straight up has never happened. They're like, fuck it. Every one of these guys needs to be a defender. That's what they think of their defense. Mm. It's going to be awful. So they're just going to be down a lot and they're going to have to throw a lot. And then there's just DJ Moore himself, who it's just one of those that age in the NFL is kind of a threshold where if you can like be this tall to ride the ride, but if you're this good at this age, you're probably going to be really good. Right, yeah. DK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, if you're if you're younger and you're playing against older guys who are more developed, more experienced, all that, you know, it's just a really good indication that you're a really talented player and that's going to keep continuing. He is ninth in, this is per fantasy score, uh, fantasy points, uh, Scott Barrett, most receiving yards in NFL history before 23rd birthday. He is ninth on the list. And the list is really good. Juju Smith-Schuster, number one, Randy Moss, Josh Gordon, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Larry Fitz, Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, and then DJ Moore. <laughs> that is a <laughs> really a crazy, good list. It's a crazy list. Yeah, so he's he's definitely like rocket ship up. I think he's going to be perfect for this offensive scheme. I think we just haven't talked about him because we all kind of agree we like him, right? Like there's no discussion to have. Yeah, he's a guy in your drafts where if you're playing with a bunch of friends who are casual football fans and really maybe less in the weeds, like if DJ Moore falls to you because a little bit of the more popular guys like Allen Robinson or AJ Brown go, I would yeah. take DJ Moore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's not DJ less. It's DJ Moore. <laughs> no, that's I'll not see it. myself out. Uh, <laughs> another person we wanted to mention, just we haven't talked about, is AJ Green. We don't have to linger here. This is kind of simple. He already has a hamstring injury, so this is kind of like moot. But AJ Green has just been hurt. He's in his 30s. He's coming off. I mean, he had a foot injury. And then last year, he had an ankle injury. He's barely played in any games the last two years. He's barely practiced in the last two years. AJ Green got hurt last year on the first practice of the season of training camp. This And then now he's missing practice right now with a hamstring injury. A.J. Green has basically not practiced since Zach Taylor has been the coach of the Bengals. And the history of guys who have come off, returned from the kind of foot and ankle injuries he's had after 30 is low. And I just don't really see any value because his name is so cool. And he was so good. So, well, not recently, but he was so good at his peak that he's being drafted at a level where people in their mind are like, oh yeah, AJ Green, like he could be back. Like he's great. Joe Burrow, AJ Green, like people talk themselves into it. There's no value to this in me whatsoever. It's all downside, which is really depressing because he's Yeah, cool. it's it's so, tough. He's been, he's been gradually sinking in our rankings. It's not fun to be like this player who was great and is in his young 30s is probably not going to be the same, but it's also not fun to have them on your fantasy team. So I'm sorry, AJ Green. The other person I wanted to ask you guys about is A.J. Brown, who we haven't really talked about. A.J. Brown was crazy last year. Like, he owned me for my <laughs> so rookie receivers can't contribute take, which is true, except for A.J. Brown, <laughs> who destroyed me because from week seven on, which is when Tannehill took over, he led the NFL in yards per route run, which is what I call a hot dog on an ice cream, hot ice cream on a hot dog. Nice. It's just not done. The dude had 52 catches last year and he had a 1,051 yards. It's 20 yards a catch. Well, that's the question. He led, I think he led the league in yards after the catch and the whole thing. And basically, on one hand, that's really unlikely to repeat. On the other hand, one, that's kind of the penalizing people for being good thing, which is dumb. And then also, <laughs> if you do that as a rookie, almost most receivers get better in their second year. It's very, right. like, it's the smallest of guys who are that good as a rookie and then really level off, which happens. But 
AJ Brown doesn't seem to want to be one of those guys. So this to me is more of a discussion about the Titans as a team, and that and that's how yeah. you have to you know figure out how you feel about AJ Brown. Is what are the Titans going to do? If they're, are they going to throw more? Is he going to get more targets? He had eighty four last year. When Tannehill took over in Week Seven, Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, built this offense, and the Titans literally averaged the most yards per play after Week Seven, like more than the Ravens. More than the Chiefs, which is cheating because Mahomes got hurt. But still, it's like the Ra- them and the Ravens and the Saints are the top three after week seven. And I think they led the league in points. Or were sec- they were second in touchdowns after the Ravens after week seven. So, DK, do you think the Titans offense can be as efficient as last year? Or they're going to come down, they're a running team, and A.J. Brown's going to suffer? Or at least they'll be the only relevant p- player on this offense. I don't think they're going to be as efficient, but I think there is the opportunity for more volume. And so I think that A.J. Brown has... A really high ceiling. I mean, he was, like you said, he was the wide receiver three from the point where Tannehill took over to the end of the season. There is the worry that like the the Titans will turn into the team they were in the playoffs where they passed the ball like eight times in two games or three games or whatever it was. But I don't think that they're going to be able to do that as much as they want. I think they're going to they're going to have to pass it a little bit more and lean on Tannehill a little bit more. And, and Danny, like you said, A.J. Brown, like he's still an ascending player. So he could be even better next year, this year, than he was last year. Um, I'm very high on A.J. Brown. I think the talent is going to show, show out. I think even if they don't have as much volume as some of these high-volume passing teams, he's still going to do so much with it. So I'm very high on A.J. Brown. Love that guy. Let me give you guys three players to close this out, and you have to rank them. How, how you feel about them right now? AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Lockett. Whew. Crazily enough, Ridley, Lockett, Brown. Even though that's probably, even though I might take Brown before Lockett because you might get Lockett later. But I would rather have Calvin Ridley, Lockett than Brown, which is, might be crazy. I would say Lockett, Brown, Ridley. I love Calvin Ridley. Also, just a quick note on the Titans: their offensive coordinator Arthur Smith, who was amazing last year, is the son of the founder and CEO of FedEx. Chairman of FedEx, who's worth five and a half billion dollars. He's the son of the founder of FedEx, who's worth five and a half billion. The owner of the Titans, Amy Strunk Adams, <laughs> is only worth one and a half billion dollars. So Arthur Smith, the offensive Holy coordinator shit. for Tennessee, is literally richer than the owner of the Titans. He's a billionaire. That's a fun fact. And he actually came up like as an actual coordinator. Like he came up as a up the ranks, up the ladder, happens wow. to be in Tennessee when FedEx is like a huge city in Tennessee. But then he was amazing. He literally had the best offense in the NFL. So it's like nepotism that plays actually just really good at this. Wow. And I wanted to throw out there another thing. His father, Fred Smith, was instrumental in getting the 2017 tax cuts passed with Trump. And FedEx's tax bill dropped from a 34% rate to a 0% tax rate in one year. So I want to ask you, do you think that Tennessee's fantasy plan here is, do you think that they can give all the fantasy points to Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, and then they will trickle down to the rest of the Titans players? <laughs> <laughs> DK, I'll let you tackle that. Oh my God. I'm a, that's a, a very good question, Danny, which I'm not going to answer. And I'm going to actually change my other answer before. I'm going to say Brown, Lockett, Ridley. I'm wow. going Brown. Brown, number one. Yeah. And I'm not going to answer your other question. It's probably smart. Okay. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, FedEx. You're just going to be delivering Amazon packages very shortly anyway. Uh, <laughs> Thank you to everyone for listening. Best of luck if you haven't drafted yet. We'll see you guys on Wednesday.